0: Welcome to this episode of Woman to Woman podcast series. Our guest today is Amy Simonovich. She's the EVP Chief Quality and Regulatory Office in Public Affairs at BD, a global medical technology company advancing the health worldwide. Amy believes that in today's fast-paced business environment, legal and regulatory chiefs must also help their companies identify and seize new opportunities. In other words, they must have a growth mindset. She has worked for companies such as CR Bard, Catalent Pharma Solutions, former Lawrence and. LLB in CBS Pharmacy. Amy has a JD in health law from Seton Hall University School of Law and a PharmD from Rutgers University New Brunswick. Hi Amy, welcome to Woman to Woman podcast. So excited to have you here with us.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: So we have so many great questions lined up for you. Um, I'll start all the way back with your childhood. How was your childhood? How was growing up? Any specific people who really shaped you at that point?
1: So, um, that's a fun question to answer. My my parents. um, I I was born in in the United States in Indiana. Um, My mom is from the Midwest. She's Irish American heritage. My father's from uh, India, um, right outside Mumbai. And so, he was studying in uh, Indiana for his doctorate and met my mother they both had a strong dedication to the, the healthcare sector. My mom's a nurse, my father uh, schooled uh, in pharmaceutical formulation and pharmaceutical science. So uh, they had a connectivity, I think, based on their professions and interests. Um, but they also had a connectivity based on common values and, and, and visions in life. And so uh, I have to say they truly shaped me not only from just an, a principle and value perspective, but also on a love of life perspective and doing what you love to do and making sure you put yourself into it and make a difference um, and 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 pay that forward. And I carried on in their footsteps, and so did my sister. Uh, we 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 both went to pharmacy school. Um, we love to be involved in advancing healthcare and helping others. And so um, I would say nothing's perfect, but when you have a strong family unit or support system, it really helps keep things grounded and in perspective. So I think my childhood was significant in shaping who I am today because it always kept me grounded in what what matters, right? And, and how do you find happiness in, in, in everything you do, even on those tough days, right? Because we know it's not easy. And so my parents are phenomenal examples of, of that.
0: It's interesting. You said, you know, you went to pharmacy school, but then clearly you decided to pivot a little bit. So how did that come about?
1: Sure. So I, I went to pharmacy school probably within, um, and I went to a program that was six years right after high school. And so in my, I think it was around my fourth year of pharmacy school, I was exposed to a pharmacy law course and became really interested in advocacy work related to the profession of pharmacy. So I took a course. I also became really Involved in the American Pharmacists Association and realized, um, wow, to have a seat at the table and really advance your voice, it helps to have a law degree. And so I felt when I was doing some of that advocacy work, I was often viewed a bit as a special interest because I was a pharmacist advocating for ph- the profession of pharmacy. And um, I really became intrigued with the idea of combining that degree with uh, a law degree so that I can make I could amplify others' voices and my own and be taken seriously.
0: You go to law school, you come out, and then to New York City. So was that something you always wanted to do?
1: So actually I'm born in Indiana, but through my father's career, came to New Jersey. We've been in New Jersey my whole life. When I went to law school, I was lucky I was a, a scholarship student. So it made it easy for me to stay in an expensive area like Manhattan right after pharmacy and, and law school. Um, and I was fortunate to get a role at a, at a law firm in Manhattan and practice um, IP law and regulatory law. So I was able to be in a practice that was a bunch of scientists, which is fun. Um, I, w- I had more of a clinical degree. Many of my colleagues had PhDs and JDs. And so uh, I was able to practice there. And really advance my skill sets in advocacy, litigation, critical thinking, um, but stay close to that intersection of science and law. Um, on the side, I, would still, I was still very involved in, in phar- professional pharmacy associations uh, at work in, in that respect, because I really have always enjoyed just amplifying voices, trying to make a difference, um, but in a way that, again, made sense and, and could really help others too. And so The New York City law firm environment uh, was one as uh, a young woman in in my career at the time um, was really impactful. Right. I learned a lot, worked really long hours. And I was in um, a sector of the law where there's not many uh, women. So I think it was also learning other skill sets in that environment. Right. How to uh, how to be heard, um, how to be taken seriously. Uh, how to be um, thought of for different career advancement opportunities that, you know, may not have traditionally lent itself to, to a woman. And so um, I, I think those about six years that I practiced in that environment um, really helped me become a strong leader, believe in myself, right. And sense of self um, and also seek out. And thankfully I had really strong mentors at the time too, that really were helping to support me in in getting those opportunities.
0: So you mentioned mentors um, and I was actually going to go there next. So this is a great segue. <laughs> Did you seek out mentors or did it happen more organically? And what would your advice be for other people who are um, trying to find mentors? Sometimes they don't get the right mentors. And then on the same note, sponsors, you know, sometimes it's easy to find mentors, but it's so hard to find sponsors. So what was your experience? So for me,
1: it was a mix. I would say it it happened a bit organically. My advice to a lot of women in, in young in their career is do your job and do it really well. And you're going to find some people will notice and come to you right it doesn't always sound that easy but if you really are focused on doing your job um learning from others getting feedback right um you'll begin to organically seek out advice because you're going to be asking people for their opinions or could you give me input or i'd love some coaching on this if you don't have a people manager who's just naturally doing it It'll, it'll lend itself for you to kind of break out of that shell and, and just ask another colleague, hey, would you mind giving me an opinion on this brief or this writing or this work product or how did I do at this meeting? And so for me, it happened naturally. It happened in that job setting. Um, I had a people manager who was great at giving feedback and giving me advice. And then I also would lean on others that I saw that I, I, I respected and wanted their opinions too. Um, it's intimidating though to do. And it sometimes I think um, you have to have that personality fit too with the mentor at times to kind of um, really ask somebody of a higher level of leadership to take the time, right, to give you feedback. But I find if you're really sticking to the job and trying to do a good job. Um, Those types of leaders, they see it, they admire it, and and they want to help and they want to support you in that journey because you're also advancing, you know, a business or or the firm or other things, which they're working hard to do itself. So you have that common objective.
0: Now being the leader that you are, when people approach you now, um, what are some of the things you would advise them to like, when they're asking for help or asking for you to be their mentor or Provide some critical feedback. What
1: is the best way to ask for it? Yeah, I think it's really be brave enough to ask and be intentional about the scope of what you're asking. So often when I'm asked, you know, people ask, Amy, could you mentor me? I said, well, first of all, before I say yes, even though I'm very often will, I wanna understand what do you wanna get out of it? What's your objective? And let's make sure I'm the right fit for you. So what I usually do in kind of an initial coffee chat is getting to know the person, seeing what they're looking for, and then saying, hey, am I the right person? Or let me introduce you to somebody who I think can really get you to that next level. Sometimes we don't actually know what we want. We just we look at somebody and say, hey, but I, I like what you do and, and your style and you're a leader. I want to get to know. And I think that's okay too. But I think in order to really find that right match, having some idea about what is it about that leader that you want to learn from will help facilitate, I think, more meaningful dialogue.
0: On the same note, along the way, you know, there are certain skill sets that you learn on the job or even like basic side jobs. Or internships that you might have done, or part-time jobs, are there certain skill sets that you would advise, especially for girls, right, coming out of high school, coming out of college, that they should acquire as early as possible to really succeed in their career, so they're not making the mistakes when it really counts? Yeah, no, I
1: think I think get a job and, and lean in to an industry or sector that you're most interested in. For me, it, it was healthcare. After the law firm, I really wanted to get back into the, the healthcare sector take a risk, right? Even if it's not squarely within what you think you want to do, um, take it. I have a very non-traditional kind of uh, pathway to the role that I'm in now. You know, I I was a pharmacist, I was a lawyer, I've practiced in everything from community pharmacy to law firm environment to in-housing and companies. And, And my advice was just be curious And dive in, really be open to learning the industry, uh, learning the business. I think often what is really successful for women young in their careers to really fully understand a business or how things run from an operations standpoint, it just, it lends itself in whatever area you end up looking at it, just to to have that better under fundamental understanding. Also the financial aspect, I don't have a finance degree, but it really helped to understand those, that, that terminology, getting advice on things to read, right. So that you could follow some of that language um, and how businesses operate if you are interested in kind of an in-house role. The other thing I would say is uh, speaking skills. Um, often, you know, getting the opportunity to speak in front of people, it can be intimidating for, for folks. I'm naturally uh, an introvert by nature. Early on, I realized I had to stretch and ensure that I could be uh, comfortable in large groups and speaking on uh, stages because that's what i need to do for for my career journey and so i think even having um, the opportunity to present in small forums or in front of people your work product it gets you experience on making complex things simple and being able to do that i think is really key in advancing in your career and in leadership roles um, being able to communicate with others effectively in a manner that they'll absorb it right that's a skill that's a that's a soft skill we don't Always put in a job bullet, right? It's more of we'll say effective communicator, but what that really means is simplifying things, making it easy to understand, and presenting it in a style so people are going to want to follow you. So even if they don't report to you, you're influencing without you know without that authority. But that's those are key leadership traits that if you hone in on and get some experience early on, it just it lends itself to continue to develop you um, and really ensure that you stand out when you're being looked at for for promotions or new opportunities
0: you being an introvert was that a hurdle for you in terms of networking with other people reaching out and how did you overcome that because we see so many people who talk about this right you know how hard it is to make that first contact and just approach somebody
1: I what I found is I'm more comfortable one-on-one and not many people actually know this because I'm, I'm often in big groups and you know I'm I'm fine I just I tend to be more comfortable in a a one-on-one situation and how I got over it was really to say, okay, Amy, you know, your job requires this, (laughs) get over it, get out there. Um, And it it, it takes sometimes more energy from me. So I really try to just energize. Right. Um, And and then I try to take breaks in between. Right. So I don't become exhausted because sometimes that's what it is when you're a natural introvert. Sometimes I used to be, you know, head down, pencils up, hard worker and you realize, well, that's that's part of the equation. You have to do that. You know, you, you have to be in the details. You have to be able to do your job well and, and in an excellent manner, but you also have to connect with people. So once I realized that and and just kind of took that first next step, um, usually around colleagues that uh, at first I was comfortable with and then you kind of go out and, and branch out. You realize you learn a lot. And what I find so inspiring is the more I do it now, even though maybe it takes me a little while to, to work up to doing this after work or, gosh, I got to go to a bigger dinner, right? Once you get there, you you don't regret it. It's, it's so value add. You get to know people and that's why you do what you do, right? And so for me, if I'm going to take time away from the work that I love or the family that I love, right? It, it's wonderful to actually have those interactions where you're connecting with people as humans, and that's really refreshing. And it took me, I think, a little bit of time to really see that. And I think now I focus in on that piece. Like, hey, this was really rewarding uh, to, to meet others, to network with others versus, oh, gosh, I, I got to do this on top of my day job and everything else I've got going on. It was just like, oh, my goodness, this is the last thing I want to do. Now I really try to be intentional of, hey, let's see what let's see what comes of this. There's There's value in every interaction. And let's focus in on that versus, oh, gosh. This is going to keep me up late, you know? Uh, So it's just that change in in, in mindset.
0: Speaking of families, you have two kids, 12 and eight-year-old. Yes. Clearly, it must have been a very different situation when they were much younger. So we have audience varying stages of life, you know, where they have younger kids, where they have... Twins, (laughs) Queens <laughs> where, you know, a lot of attention is required, but at the same time from the background, how did you manage all of that and what has worked for you?
1: So I think probably faith and like a village, right, of support. Um, and I'm sure most parents would say the same thing. For me, early in my career, I'm very fortunate and blessed. I have a strong uh, partner in my husband. We tag team. He's got um, a career as well. And in different stages one is doing more than the other, and we kind of flip back and forth. We've always worked that way. And that, I have to say, has been a true blessing for me and, and enabled me to, to do some of the jobs that I did and also enabled me to come home and have somebody I trusted to kind of break down and say, hey, I, I don't feel like a good mom today. You know, I didn't, I didn't win as a mom today. I might have won as work Amy, but as mom Amy, today was a tough day. Um, And being able to be vulnerable and have that exchange uh, with with my husband was just incredibly valuable, and it still is today. I would say, when I was practicing in the law firm environment, you know, I had my first son. He was young. I was doing litigation work, traveling a lot. It was very difficult. Um, I chose to breastfeed and, and try to do pumping while traveling, and that was at a time where that wasn't something others were doing. I was, you know, the only woman on the floor at the time. And, you know, I look back and Remember things I was doing to kind of hide, you know, the milk in my lunch, and I, you know, I was mortified if anyone found out. And you know, I had a colleague who said, "Amy, it's okay. People don't know. They think it's a printer. <laughs> like, don't be so shy. You're a mom. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be shy to remind people that." And I think it took some colleagues, male colleagues, actually, to say, "Like, hey, you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, don't be shy to acknowledge that, and and don't be shy to say in a meeting, like, hey." You know, um, I, I need to, to leave a little earlier because, um, you know, I, I've got another commitment. You don't have to say it's because I actually want to see my child. Before he goes to bed, um, you could say, I have another commitment. I got to go. Just like folks have if they've got other commitments, right? You have to allow yourself uh, those boundaries. And I think for me, going through that experience, it taught me, boy, I want to be there for other parents going through that situation and sharing with them. Like, it's okay to say, no, I'm going to leave early today. I'll get the work done. I'll figure it out uh, late at night or what have you. Um, But I'm going to make sure I'm there. Right. And and I'm enjoying these moments because they're so precious. But it's not easy. Divya, I mean, I have so many fun stories where I thought, geez, I I don't think I'm going to make it or there's no way I can do this. And it was at those moments where I leaned on. Um, my support system, my mentors, sponsors to just help me through it. But there's tough days and, and there's good days, right? And I, I think that's what helps you pay it forward when you get out of that stage and say, oh my gosh, you'll survive. Um, you don't sleep, you know, <laughs> it, it may be a little crazy, but um, but you'll survive.
0: Sometimes we are very tough on ourselves. We want to do everything yeah. and we we don't want anything else affected. But sometimes it's so important to have allies at that point. Like you had some of your male colleagues come and say, it's okay. You just need that sounding board to say it's okay, you
1: know, because we, exactly. we have to do it. Oh, you know, a, a fun example is um, like Halloween for those who have children. It's like a huge holiday, right? And they have these parades <laughs> at school. And so uh, the joke was I, I worked for a wonderful general counsel at one point in my career. And, you know, <laughs> He knew that and he would be like, Amy, it's fine. You don't have to be here for this meeting. And it was almost like, wow, thank you for doing that, because you kind of knew that was a struggle. And I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to make sure I was showing up well. But you also knew, being the the ages my kids were at the time, hey, that this was this was important too. And it sounds so silly, right? And when you think of these business critical things, like, gosh, I feel guilty. I'm going to Halloween free. But that meant a lot to my sons, right? And so it's like you wanted to be there, but it helped almost with people granting you permission, like sometimes you need that. Um, now I don't even think about it. It's hey, it's a calendar block and I make sure I empower my leaders and people managers to do the same or else why are you working, right? You wanna have the, the ability to have um, those points in your life where you're being fulfilled personally too. And then you show up better for work and you're energized. And let's be honest, um, it's all one in the same, this life, right? So my family and children, they know where I work today. They've been to my office. I'm a big proponent of bringing your children, bring your family to your office, let them know what you do. Even in the times of these Zooms and, and Teams meetings, which we have more often, I have my family with me. And I encourage those who have, you know, pets, family, bring bring it in, because that's who who you are, right? And I think it makes actually that work environment I'm more relatable. It's okay when I'm leaving my family. Say I'm traveling for work. I'm going here. Even my children can relate to that. They're like, "Oh, now I understand." Or I understand what you do, mom. And um, I think that's important, right? It, it, it helps bring it all together.
0: Yeah, make them part of the whole story. They need to be part of it. And mm-hmm. I remember start of the COVID, my kids were already in high school. They were helping me with my tech needs because suddenly I was at home <laughs> and I didn't know how to do half the things. But I had team members who had very little kids and one person just said, you know, I'm sorry, but really it's hard to do this 830 meeting right now. And I'm like, oh. And then they said, because there is no school, we have to log the kids into the Zoom. And The second grader doesn't know how to do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did I think of it? You know, sometimes it's the aha moments that, OK, I am missing a big piece. So as leaders, it's it's one of our responsibilities to make sure, you know, how is everybody stationed at that point of time,
1: given everything else going on? So that's a great reminder. It is. And I think it goes back to that mindset of like inclusion. It's a yeah. broad, we talk a lot about inclusion, diversity and equity and in, in, in roles that I'm in now. And, you know, how do you shape teams and how do you be intentional about being inclusive? Divya, what you said is just that, like, how do you sit back and say, hey, I thought this was convenient for me, but I'm not, let's think of the whole team. And I've had that with some of my regional or global colleagues during that time. You know, they had far different living conditions than many of us here in the U.S. And so when they were in smaller rooms or apartments, their whole family was, um, you know, their partners were on Zoom calls, too. And so I had a colleague say, like, Amy, um, it's really difficult to be on camera. I know everybody is is encouraging it, but my husband and I sit back to back in, in an apartment and we are both working and it's 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 hard enough. I really don't want to be on video. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. And now for these meetings, I'm going to be intentional about saying no videos, but put up a fun picture, put up, you know, let's use the chat or let's keep it light so that we get people through this. But I think it's just helpful to reflect um, and even ask your team, how are you doing? Um, Is this working for you? Is there anything I can do to actually help us be more productive or or understand how we can achieve this objective better? It's amazing when you give people space to speak and, and share, they open up and then you can actually, Ensure you're being flexible, too, and being thoughtful of what they're going through. Looking back, any learnings for your younger self? (laughs) You know, I I probably have to reflect on what you said, like, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, don't assume things that you can't do it. Uh, Adopt that. You know, we'll read a lot about this growth mindset concept. Right. Just say I haven't done it yet. I, I think my younger self was more formulaic and very much of a planner. And so when I would look at jobs, I would see the bullets and you know, you always, this is a common thing, right? You'd look at it and say, oh, I, didn't, I didn't do 70% of this, there's no way. I would tell my younger self, think, but what can you do based on your strengths? Instead of what you can't do, um, don't assume you can't do it. Try to think well of course i can do that i know what my strengths are i know where i can stretch and grow and i know what i can deliver based on what i've done to date and and give yourself that that boost of confidence and and that growth mindset in your own self i always say to folks now bet on yourself all the time um and i think i i don't think i did that early on i would be oh i don't know or you know and and now it's oh no i you got this um and i think we need to tell ourselves that more often uh just because it, it, is, it is harder. I think we do it to, your, to ourselves, as you mentioned. We sometimes are kind of in our own heads saying, I don't know about this, or I can't do this, or my kids are young now, so I can't take a role like that. Um, and, and I think it's, no, actually, what can you do? Um, and how can you ensure that you're not sacrificing what you need to do in your personal life and things that are important to you because you know you can, you can do that role, you know the strengths that you have, and, and you bet on yourself. Did you ever face any typical perceptions um, that surround women and how did you handle those situations? Sure. So, yes, I think everyone has stories. For me, I was um, fortunate to have people managers that took a chance on me and they took a bet on me in my career. But what that did is that put me in roles of leadership probably earlier than people would expect. Right. I, I guess the way I said, I, I faced a lot of, well, there's that young woman in the room. So who is she? And you'd say, oh, you know, well, actually I, I I lead this group or I'm the decision maker or yeah, I'm at the executive committee. And it. I was shy at first to say it like that. And then I had to remind myself and others reminded me, like, wait a second, you're the executive in the room. Um, And I would say, Divya, you know, one example I tend to share on panels that, you know, kind of I reflect on going, I can't believe I did that. But, you know, I walked into my first um, executive team meeting at the company I'm at now, and I just recently got appointed to the executive team. And that there were no seats at the table left. So I'm mortified because I'm like, oh my gosh, usually I'm a little bit earlier than being the last person in the room. So I ended up taking a seat in the back of the table. And I had a colleague say, um, Amy, get up here. Like, you know, I'll get up. You, you should be at the table. I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I'll, I'll sit back here. Um, and uh, and this gentleman actually got up and gave me his chair and said, no, you're at the table now. And I I, I reflect back on that one because I can't believe I did that. And I, and I didn't think, to take it, or, or I didn't walk in and say, hey, you know, let me pull up a chair. But it was a great example of sometimes you need others helping you through that. It was a new environment for me. Um, I knew I had the job, I knew I could do the job, but I still was a little shy to own it. Um, and it took some of my, my counterparts to say, no, 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 come on, you're here at the table. And so I think some of it was in my head. Uh, And I had to get over that. And and some were those perceptions or biases where people would say, like, how did you get this role? Or, you know, do you really do you really have the experience or the 30 plus years experience? And so often the way I dealt with that was, listen, I have this role, I am qualified, but I'm not going to sit here and and give you that narrative. Instead, let's focus on the task at hand. And and I'm going to show you how and why I'm in this role. And it's because of the way I lead and the way critically think and make decisions and let's come and revisit this if you have any questions after we get through this issue right and what I found is that 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 was effective and I'm very outcomes driven so it's like hey listen now uh now tell me that right after you get through an issue or a problem um it's never questioned but some of it was a little perception and some of it was in my head too Divya so I hope that's helpful but I have even said to folks too hey listen I do dye my hair I'm not that young like you know but I think sometimes folks look to senior leaders who are in like council positions or compliance related positions where you're giving advice, right? Or you're saying, hey, this is the way we need to do it. They'll sometimes be more comfortable as somebody who might have grayer hair than me or, or might look different than me. And it, it is something that you have to just change mindset and say, hey, listen, I have the right expertise here. I have a proven record and background. I'm in this role because of that. A lot of people trust me, but we don't need to sit here and talk about that. Let's let's just get the job done together. Right. And let me show you what I can do and how I can empower you and lift you up and you be a better leader in, in the future, too. So hopefully I answered that question.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Are there certain traits that we should work at, like, you know, being more assertive or things like that, that you've just seen in your career, either yourself or other women interacting that you feel? What is it that we lack? What should we be working towards?
1: While well-intentioned, sometimes we overthink things. And sometimes uh, we're assuming intentions that we shouldn't be assuming. So I kind of fall back on um, a strong mentor of mine said, you know, assume good intentions, like assume good intentions. Um, And I really take that to heart because sometimes when you're in a conflict or you're in a situation you'll overthink it or you'll assume a bad intent and that'll bias how you interact or how you have an exchange with somebody. So I think as women leaders, it's how do we work better together, right? How do we ensure we, we see where we might have this intuition to respond a certain way and pull back, take a moment, take a pause, reflect, assume good intention, slow down, take a minute, right? And, and then, then proceed. I also think, again, you touched on we're hard on ourselves. We are. And, and I, have seen it with other women leaders and you don't like to say everybody's the same cause we're not, but I have seen it with women where, um, y- y- you know, we'll tend to say, I'm sorry, or, oh my gosh, like that guilty, uh, syndrome, like, oh, Amy, you know, um, I don't mean to take up your time. So often people will meet with they say, Amy, I'm so sorry. I know you're so busy. I don't mean to take up your time. It's like, listen, time's relative. It's the same for all of us. Please don't say that you're as busy as I am, <laughs> you know? And let's just work through this and get over it. But I don't think people realize they're doing it right. It's just, it's a, it's an insecurity. And I think it's, how do you help get over that insecurity? And we can help each other so much by calling it out and saying, you don't have to say that or never say you're sorry, or, or Hey, lift each other up too, like, you did a great job or Hey, I'll give you direct feedback. And I think what women leaders can do with women leaders is be that ally and partner but also be courageous to say, hey, I disagree with you, or you could have done that better, or you're coming off this way, let me help you and help each other. And I, and I see, you know, there's a lot of studies on this too that my HR colleagues have shared with me. It's like, you know, they'll say sometimes, you know, if there's two women in a group, they're, they're competing against each other inadvertently and they're hard on each other. And they're kind of showing, you know, this and that. Sometimes you need three or four and then you get into that more uh, lifting one another up, helping each other. I don't know all the sociology behind it. Did not get a degree there, but um, from just a human aspect and experiential aspect, you kind of see it. And, and I really try in those situations to say, Hey, listen, I'm here. I may disagree with you, but I'm here to help. I want to lift each other up. I want to show up well together as collective women leaders. Let's problem solve offline or let's get a cup of coffee so I can understand what's going on here. And how do we break through some of the, you know, some of our difficulties in communication. So what is it that not a lot of people know about you? Let's see. Not a lot of people know that I like to birdwatch. So I, um, I have two boys and, um, and my husband and, I enjoy being outdoors with them. And I learned early on that I cannot outrun. I'm not an athlete. Um, I've been learning racket sports, but one thing we all connected on was being outside and spotting birds. And so um, I I love finding things that connect me in with them and their world in an activity that I know we could share for a lifetime, no matter how old I am. So I really uh, have gone into it, have some binoculars, we've got books and charts. And so we really have fun doing that but I, I some people know that but not a lot of people
0: <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that so thanks. amy this has been such a great conversation any closing comments for our listeners
1: i guess i'll close with kind of where we started a little bit here is always bet on yourself believe in yourself find something you love to do make sure it has a purpose that drives you personally and professionally and 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 you're going to enjoy life and you're going to be successful I can't thank you so much for this time. And I can't thank the listeners enough for their time too. No, thank you so much.